God is good. Amen. amen. How many people are blessed in the presence of the Lord? Say amen. amen. Man, thank you, worship team, for your ministry. Give it up for the worship team. Thank you, thank you. So this week was, uh, I mean, the last couple of weeks were very momentous. Um, several events are worthy of note. We had the Super Bowl um, not too long ago. How many people watch the Super Bowl commercials? Halftime? No? No? Okay. Um, so we had the Super Bowl. I, I don't know who you were rooting for. I wasn't necessarily rooting for anybody in particular. Uh, Miami Dolphins weren't there, so... Um, but, you know, every year it, it, it's a big thing. Uh, we have war broke out in Ukraine. Everybody saw that? Yes. See, war. So our prayers are with um, the Ukrainian people that are um, under assault so that God could resolve this situation. Uh, but on a lighter note, we also had the NBA All-Star Game. Right, and for the fifth year in a row since they started having captains, right? So this year, I think it was Team LeBron versus Team KD. Uh, for the fifth year in a row, uh, Team LeBron won. How many people are happy? Team LeBron? All right. Team KD, no? Um, huh? Well, don't take my tagline. That was going to be my tagline. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Amen. Uh, but things happen at the... Um, all-Star game, that was pretty interesting. One, um, so LeBron, which is from Akron, Ohio, won for the fifth time in a row uh, that since they've been picking teams. Uh, and that's not hard when you have on your team the best three-point shooter of all time, Steph Curry. And he broke a record at the All-Star with 16 three-pointers um, at the All-Star. But the event that attracted my attention was there was a special guest at the All-Star game, and that was Michael Jordan. Yeah, um, so, see, so we have one team, Jordan. And as you know, there's a debate on who's the GOAT, the greatest of all time, is Michael Jordan with six championships and two, and two three-peat, meaning winning three times in a row, is the GOAT, or is LeBron James with, what is it now, 10 or 11, 12 final appearances, and four championships. Um, so, you know, as the guys, sometimes we have strong discussion on who's the GOAT. No, it's Jordan because of this. Oh, no, it's LeBron because of that. And, and there's a lot of, of energy that is put in, into that to determine who's the GOAT. Um, but we all know that the true GOAT, and Tim took my tagline, is, is Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is the greatest of all time. Um, but we have sometimes, we have teams, right? How many people are team iPhone or team Samsung? Yeah, so you're all in trouble. This is team Samsung right about now. Amen. Team Samsung. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? Um, so th this... This, evening, this afternoon, I want to tell you to team up, to choose which team you're going to be a part of. And I'm going to ask you to please read with me um, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 to chapter 4, verse 1. And it goes like this. So please read with me Philippians chapter 3, verse, starting from verse 17. It says, join together 
in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Father, please speak to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you know, we've been going through systematically the book of Philippians um, from the first chapter, and now we're um, edging towards the end in chapter 3, where Paul tells them to, 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 to his audience to join together in the following of his example. And so we, we saw last week that Paul was a... He was a, a Jew of the Jews, right? He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was the top of the top. But he, all of his accolades and accomplishment, he looked at them as rubbish, as mud for the price of Christ. For the price of Christ. And what we see in this book and what we will see um, in the weeks to come is that though the, the church at Philippi was a good church, it was an overall great church, they, they had a problem of division. There was some division in the midst that was, so everything looked good on the outside, but there was some division and some problems on the inside. So I want to dive deeper today and ask, first, first of all, ask us all if we can join together. To join together, it's a call of unity for us, the people of God, to bend together. You see, when we look at the world, there's a whole lot of division. There's division on everything and anything. Uh, there's division on TV shows. The TV shows that, uh, the reality shows that are the most popular is the shows that you have strife and you have fighting and you have division. You look at our political scene and there's strife and division. These people, they can't get together and get one thing done. There is constant division in our society. But what the Bible tells us is, in the midst of us, it shouldn't be that way. Paul says, join together. And the word that he uses is, is kind of a, uh, a weird word, right? So if we go to verse 17, join together in following my example, all that is one word in Greek, which is, means to together imitate me. And, and that might be a little, um, you know, confusing that we would imitate a, a man, that we'd, we'd uh, focus on a man like, like, like Paul. But that just shows us that Paul had reached such a level in the faith that he was comfortable to say, imitate me. How many people here, if somebody receives Christ and, and they, they come to him, and they want to know how to grow in the gospel, you're comfortable 
saying to that person, oh, just imitate me and you'll be okay. Anybody comfortable? No, because we're all um, aware of our shortcomings. We're all aware of our, of our failures in life. And so we're not, um, we're not confident to say to someone, follow me. We would say, follow Christ. And so at the beginning of this section, what Paul is saying is, okay, yes, join together, call to unity because unity matters, number one. Yes, it matters to Paul, but it matters, number one, it matters to Christ. So much that it matters to Christ that when Jesus was about to be crucified, when he was about to leave this earth, he prayed to his, to his father. And in his prayer, a couple of times, what he prayed for is for us to be united. Follow with me in John chapter 17, where he says, where Jesus prayed, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And that was John 17, verse 11. And then he continues in verse 20 and 21. My prayer is not for them alone, meaning not for the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus is praying not only for the disciples of back then, but for everyone who would believe in him afterwards. That means he's praying for you and me. And he's praying for you and me to join together, to be united. There shouldn't be division. And a lot of times we let little petty things get in the way of our unity, right? And so now we have teams now, and now I'm, I'm, I'm team Sabrina, or no, I'm team Kaylee, or, or whatever, and, we, and we're now divided because of those teams, of, of those artificial team, teams. It's funny because we were at Bible study, we're talking, and um, we're talking about, you know, like when you're in high school or middle school, sometimes people have fights, and they fight. And what do you think is the number one reason for fights in high school and middle school? It's a boyfriend and a girlfriend. It, it, the number one reason of fights is amen, right? If you ever saw that in your school, maybe you were involved in that, right? Where two people, they start, like two guys, they fight, or two girls, they fight because they, they're both in love with the same person. Amen. You ever saw that in your school? Well, because you're elementary school. You haven't seen that yet. And hopefully you never do. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so I just said, no, no, they will. And, and, and so we, we fight. But you, you, and, and if that's a serious situation, you know that the person, they're not a robot, right? They're not a piece of meat. They have their own choice. You can't just go to them and say, who you want? You want her or you want him? Or, you know, you want who you want? Give them the choice. But we fight for petty things. And as I look back to my years in high school, and there was, there was those fights. Senseless fights. Fights that mean nothing. But we divide. It's the same sometimes in the body of Christ where we divide one another over petty things that are 
uh, that are short in time, but understand this, that your brother and your sister in Christ, they're safe for eternity. You know, so when you go into glory and you go into the kingdom of God, they're going to be there too. Right? And actually, you don't know because I don't, I don't see any passage. And Pastor, maybe you can tell me if there's any passage where you get to choose your house in heaven. So God could, just for fun, put you next to them in heaven. You might be neighbors. You, you know, you might be neighbors. When we sit at the, the dinner of, uh, of glory with Jesus, you might be sitting across from them in heaven, eating the, the, the food of the kingdom. You know, God has a plan for the brother and sister that you don't like. God has a plan for the brother and sister that you don't like. And so he continues um, a little earlier in the book of John, chapter 13. He says to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that was John 13, verse 34, 35. So, so Jesus, before he left, gave us a command to love one another. But there, he, he tells us why. So number one, we're to imitate him and to, to love like he loved us. The person that you don't like, Jesus still loves them. The person that you can't stand, oh, I can't stand them. Jesus still loves them. The, you know, when you're at church and you're walking this way to this door and you see them coming and you go to the other door, Jesus still receives them and embraces them. And so he says, love one another, because when you do, that's when the world will know that you are my disciple. You want to know who's a disciple of Christ? Look at the person that is loving the neighbor like Jesus loves them. And that's how you know there's um, a disciple of Christ. You know, when I was, um, when we went to New York one time, we were visiting New York, we were visiting my sister, um, we were, you know, we were having, that was pre-pandemic days, it's 2006, I want to say, and then so we're a couple of friends, we went to visit my sister, she was living there, and, and, and we're chilling on Saturday night, so Sunday night, everybody's asleep, but I'm like, no, it's Sunday night, we got to go to church. Now, if you're in Brooklyn, what church are you going to go to? Brooklyn Tabernacle. Right? So I wake up before everybody, all of those uh, lukewarm Christians all sleeping. And I'm looking at my cousin because he was there. I'm just cracking. And so I wake up and I go um, and I see somebody on Sunday that's dressed up. So that means what? That means they're Christian. So I go and I ask them, hey, do you know where Brooklyn Tabernacle is? They say, yeah, go to this, that station, and then just follow the crowd. Right, so which is what I did, and to find out their service hours, and we ended up going to to Brooklyn that day, uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle, which um, became my sister's church afterwards. So if you go on Sunday, you see everybody's wearing, you know, suit tie. You think they're Christian, but I want to tell you that's not how you really know a Christian. It's not the suit and tie; it's the love. It's if they love their neighbor like Christ. It's if in their daily life you can see the love in action, that's how you would know that they're a Christian. That's how we will know if you're a Christian. I want to make it personal. It's not about your neighbor today. It's about you. It's about how can you love more? How can we come more together for what is ahead? 
Because as you can see, the world is crazy. If there's a time that the world needed the word of Christ, it's now. It's now. Because everything is, is going upside down. And it's, it's sadly, unless there's a miracle, it's going to go from bad to worse. That's what the Bible says. But that's why we need the word of, of Christ. And that's why the world needs you to be, to, be, to, be, to, be, to, be, to be the love that Jesus wants us to be. And so you have divisions. You have, you have divisions. And I don't want us to think that this can't happen here or it only happens here. If we go back to 1 Corinthians, there was a time when, imagine, so 1 Corinthians is a church. Corinthians, that's a church where Paul spent three years in that church. And he spent, and he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Actually, if there's a church that saw the power of God at work, it was the Corinthian church. Paul says, I came to preach to you not with the wisdom of men, but with the power of God. And the power of God was so manifest in that church that Paul had to dedicate three chapters of the book into talking about the gift of the spirits and how God operates and the miracles and, and, and all of that stuff, right? But as much power as they had, they also had a lot of division. They also had, there was a, a very powerful church in terms of the manifestation of the Spirit, but they were a very carnal church in terms of what they did. And so Paul tells them in, in talking about their division, if you follow with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to start from... So from the first verse, from verse 3, if you follow with me, it says, You are, as Paul talking to the Corinthians, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, which was another leader, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos and what is Paul, only servants through whom you came to believe? As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And so we, we and, and it's sad to see when you see the politics of the world, right, come into church. I have people telling me, you know what, people don't talk to me because I voted this way or I voted that way. Or, or when you have divisions because of, oh, I like this or, or, or I like that. But here's what, what I want to bring your attention to. He says, what is all of that? What is this person or that person? What is Paul? Paul is just a human and Paul, Paul, Paul is gone. You know, you know, Peter is just a human and, and Peter now is gone. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings. But here's what he says. He says in verse 8, The one who plants, the one who waters, have one purpose, 
and they will each be rewarding according to their own labor. A lot of times what stops reconciliation is because you're worried about what the other person is going to do. You're worried about what the other person is going to say. But I'm here to tell you, you don't need to worry about what they're going to say. You need to be worry about yourself. You need to worry about when you get in front of heaven and now it's time for you to get your crown and your reward. That's how you're going to be judged. God is not going to judge you based on what other people have said. God is going to judge you based on you. And so a lot of times we know God is calling us to do things. We, we know God is calling us to be co-laborers with him in, in something that he wants to do in this world. But we're afraid of what other people are going to say. We're afraid of what other people are going to think. So that because of that, we say, oh, I'm not ready. You know, in, in the um, motivational world or whatever, they talk about procrastination, right? Um, anybody you ever procrastinated anything, say amen. Amen. Don't lie in church. Amen. You know, just joke aside, I'm a procrastinator. My wife, she's a procrastinator. Like she does everything fast. I, I, I take time. And um, but sometimes we procrastinate and they say one of the main reasons for procrastination is fear. Is fear. Is because you're afraid of the of the result. You're afraid of the work. And and, and so now there, there's a new thing, and it's not a new thing, but it's it's like what you do then is you have to do something for God, right? You have to do something for Christ, but you don't want to do it because you're afraid. You're afraid maybe that you don't measure up. You're afraid what people, other people are going to say. You're afraid. So what you do is you find other things to do. So now you're doing busy work, but you're not doing God's work. You're, 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 you're active, but you're not having an impact because you're not doing what Christ is calling you to do. Understand that if Christ was calling you to do something that was easy, you wouldn't need him. If God was calling you to do something that was attainable by you, then you wouldn't need him. It wouldn't be his plan. It'd be your plan. But God is in the business of miracles. So God is in the business of calling you to something that is way beyond your means so that when you, you are doing it, you rely on him. And when it comes to pass, you give him the glory because all the glory, all the honor belongs to him. And so verse eight, he says, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers with God in God's service. You are God's will and God's building. God is going to reward you, your faithfulness to him. If you have to, to make amends to someone, don't worry about what they're going to say. Worry about what God is going to say because at the end, you're going to be rewarded by God. So join together in, Paul says, join together in following my example. And like I said earlier, that might be problematic for some of us because we're like, man, we're, we don't meet up. And, and, and who is Paul? And But I want to make it clear, if you follow with me in 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So understand this. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul was able to say this, and we saw in the previous week all of the things that Paul went through. Right, All of the things that Paul went through, the persecution, the, the ministry, the building of churches. So he went through the grinder. Right, He went through the grinder. So he wasn't not just like the average Joe say, hey, follow me. He went through it and he experienced the power of Christ in his resurrection, meaning he saw the, the power of God at work like you cannot imagine. Paul had the power of God so much that at a certain point he was he would be doing ministry and they would take his handkerchief. Well, I don't know if this had COVID on there, though, but whatever. He would, they would take this and they would throw it 
on, on, on a sick person and the sick person would be, would be healed. Imagine you have so much power of the Holy Spirit that you don't even have to be there in presence to pray for somebody to be healed. They just take his tie and they throw it on the person and the person is healed. So he saw the power of Christ in the power of his resurrection. But he says, you know what? Yes, I want to see the power of Christ, but I also want to partake in his suffering. Now, most of us, we want to see the glory of Christ in the resurrection, right? We want whatever was bad, we want it to go better. But how many people want to partake with Christ in his suffering? How many people are ready to suffer for him? And Paul was, was ready fully. He was full ready to suffer for Christ, right? And, and we saw in the previous weeks, he was beaten five times with, with the, the rod and the, and, and the nail and, and so many trials after trials, but he stayed faithful. So yes, he could say, follow my, follow my example because he followed the example of Christ. But that's also important because then that puts then the mirror on us. Can we then say that, that we're going to be as role model for other people? That we're going to live our lives in a way where I can say, yes, look at me because I'm a good representation of Christ. And so if I would tell you, yeah, guys, you, you have to follow Christ, you have to follow Jesus, that would give you an excuse because Jesus is born out of a virgin, right? He's born and his body, he didn't have sin. He didn't sin. So you could say, but Dave, uh, I'm not born of St. Mary's. Yes, my mom is Mary, but she ain't no saint. I can testify to that. Jesus is the ultimate example, but Paul is a relatable example, right? It is related because he was a murderer. He was killing Christians and then he got saved. If you were in the world and doing something bad and Christ saved you, now you can relate because now you can see what God has done through him. He can do through me. He can do through me. And so he's, he tells us, so when he says, follow my example, what I want you to take away from that is keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on Christ. So now he says in verse 18, for as, as I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemy of, of, of the cross of Christ. For as I've often told you before and now, I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross understanding that we're in a world where there's corruption everywhere. There, there is corruption everywhere. We are, to be, we are to be models like Christ, right? And so we, we have Paul, we have Jesus, his ultimate example. You have Paul, which is a relatable. You can relate to Paul, right? But amongst you, you have role models that are accessible, that are accessible. If you surround yourself with people that are going Christ's way, most likely you will go Christ's way. If you surround yourself with people that are not going Christ's way, most likely you won't go Christ's way. You know, in the financial world, they say 
your net income, your, your, your financial wealth, is the average of the five people that you hang around with. So you look at the five people that you hang around with, if they broke, you broke. If they rich, you rich. So how many people you broke? How many people you rich? Look at your friends, right? What did you say, DJ? You're rich, you're broke? You're nothing. He haven't started yet. So verse 18, right, he says, For as I often told you, and I want to break this. So for as often told you. So we have the word often. If somebody repeats something often, that means what? That means it's important. If you go to class, right, and, and you have your, your, your last, you know, when they do the review of the semester, if the teacher repeats certain things a lot, most likely it will be in the exam, right? Paul says, I have often tell you, so the fact that he repeats that a lot, that means that it's important. And what is it that is important? He says, he says there are people that are living as enemies of the cross of Christ, right? So not everybody that you see, even in the church, love the cross of Christ. Not everybody in the church even are, are good role models for you to follow, are not good example for you to follow. And if we look at the world, if you like, and I'll confess, I like my TV shows like everybody else, but it'll be very hard for you to find a TV show that shows Christianity in the good light. Right? It's very hard that you would find a show. I remember I was watching, and I'm not going to name the name, but I was watching a show, and you could see they made effort to include everybody. So the show had a Muslim, the show had a Jew, the show had a, a all sorts of different races, different people. But the one Christian that was on the show was a crazy maniac. Why the Christian got to be a crazy maniac? And then you see this people, oh, they're doing good. You see that people, they're doing good. But the Christian, he's the one that's crooked. And then when the Christian died, he had a horrible death. There are people that are enemies of the cross. And the word enemies, he is, it says, extras. It means someone that is openly hostile, that has deep-seated hatred, and is bent on inflicting harm. And when Paul says this, when I read this, I said, that reminds me of when Paul was in Ephesus, and he was saying goodbye to the church of Ephesus. He gave them a warning, and he said this. And that's Acts chapter 20, verse 30, 31. He says, even from your own number, man will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So the same, same advice, same command that he was giving the Philippi, he was also giving to the people, to the, to the Ephesians that listen, amongst you will come out people and they're going to look like they're sheep, but they, they're wolves. They're wolves in sheep clothing and they will distort the truth. And the word distort is like, it, 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 the, the author puts an emphasis in terms of, it's like thoroughly distorting. It's like taking something and totally changing the image. And I want to tell you, you have to be careful. Now in our day and age, with everything that we have, the internet and all of that stuff, you have to be careful with people that come with different doctrines. 
People that come with different doctrines. Let me make it, the gospel is very simple. It's Jesus Christ, period. Not Jesus plus, not Jesus minus, not Jesus and. There's no, nothing else than Jesus Christ, period. But what they do is they come and they come with nice little doctrines and changes. And guess what? Once you add something to Jesus or once you take something away from Jesus, then ask yourself who you're serving. Who are you serving? He ain't Jesus. And watch that. So they might have the right name, but they're serving the wrong God. I'm trying. In, um, so in Exodus, right, when Moses went up the mountain, the, the people gave pressure to Aaron, right? And Aaron, rather than to stay strong, he, he, he caved and he said, okay, you know what? I'm going to try to compromise, right? I'm going to try to ride both. So he said, okay, give me your gold, give me your jewelry. And then with the gold, he made a golden calf, right? But then if you read the text, he called the golden calf the Lord. He called it Jehovah. So he gave the calf the right name, but it was the wrong God. Now, do you think God was like, oh, Moses, uh, your people down there, I mean, they're not too bad. They, they, they still gave my name. No, it was like, yo, Moses, your people, they're messing up. And then G Moses goes down there and says, uh-uh, they're not my people. They're your people. Don't, don't destroy them. They had the right name, but they had the wrong God. And what Paul is saying is, and he, he's giving them with with, 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 with often, right? So he's doing it all the time. And he's saying that people will come and they will have a wrong message. So they might have the appearance. You might have a suit and tie. But if you don't have the right message, they need to be rejected. But then he says he does that with tears. He does that with tears. So he does it often because it's important. But he does that with tears, right? And, and when we get emotional about something, it's because it has personal significance. It has personal significance. So Paul was invested in, in, in their outcome. He was invested in them following the word of God. It is important that we follow the word of God because not only Paul, but Jesus is invested in there. You know, you guys saw the, the news of Ukraine, right? You know, it's terrible, like it's war breaking. How many people cried? Nobody. You know why nobody crying? Because we're not close to Ukraine. We, most of us probably don't have a Ukrainian friend. I have a, a Ukrainian colleague, so I was talking to her at work, and I was asking, okay, well, what's your outlook? And she was like, oh. And you could see, like, she was getting a little emotional. Because, so she has, she's here, but she has family over there, so she's calling them. And some of them are in bunkers, right? So you're hiding, hoping that the bomb doesn't fall on you. And, um, and over there, they have the draft, right, where if you're 16, you have to join the army. But she was telling me of her friend, her son is 15, and he's like, sign me up. I'm going to go and I'm going to fight, right? So at 15, and you can see she was getting emotional. The reason she's getting emotional is because for her, there's a personal connection, there's a personal significance, it's of personal significance to her. So when Paul says, yes, I told you this often, and I told you that with tears, is because for him, it has a personal significance. So he was vested in the work of God and in the people of God. He was, for him, it's not like, oh, I'm doing my job, and then oh, whatever you guys do after, your problem. No. For him, it was important that they stay true to the word of God. 
And I want to tell you this afternoon, it's important that you stay true to the Word of God. It's important to Christ. It's important to Paul. It's important to us. I mean, we prepare these messages. It's not for you to come become a Buddhist. It's for you to stay in the Church of Christ. Amen. Be very careful with the distortion. That's very... Because, you know, the Bible says the enemy, he comes and he designs, disguises himself in an angel of light. Now think about this, right? An angel of light. So you would see an angel of light talk to you. You would most likely be, all right, I'm good, let's go. But Paul says, if anyone brings you another gospel than the one we have preached, and he goes further, he says, even if I come and I give you another gospel than the one I've preached, let that person be a curse. Let that person be a curse. So be very careful with the word of God. Be very careful who you listen to. And it's not about the size of the church. You can have a big mega church and they're true to the word of God. And you can have a big mega church and they're not true to the word of God. You can have a smaller church and they're true to the word of God. And you can have a smaller church and they're not true to the word of God. And that's why you have to be intentional about keeping your eyes on Christ, keeping your eyes in the word of God, and keeping your eyes on models that follow the word of Christ. And so he says, when he says, keep your eyes on Christ, he says in verse 18, for as I have often told you before and now, I'll tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. But then he goes on to define in verse 19, what, like, how do you know those enemies of of the cross of Christ. Verse 19 says, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. And I call them, for the sake of conversation today, stomach worshipers, right? Stomach worshipers. Those are those that, he gives us four things, right? Number one, he starts with the, the end. The end of anybody that worships their stomach is destruction. And that's why I say team up. You get to choose the team that you're going to be on. You can be on team the world, which the end is destruction, or you can be on team Jesus, which we'll see what team Jesus gets after that, right? But they said, first is their destiny is destruction. And, and I'm always sad when you see, you know, you have some celebrities, right? Like just in 2022, now we don't know all of them, but I, I was looking it up. We lost 43 people that are called celebrities. But you all remember when, I remember exactly where I was when somebody came and tell, told me Michael Jackson died. I remember, I can tell you exactly the spot I was at when Michael Jackson died. Now, some of y'all, too young, like, who's Michael Jackson, right? Bless For real. The king of pop. And I, um... We were listening to a song. Every time, for some reason, every time I see C.C. Winans, I think of Whitney Houston because they were friends. They were friends, and, and uh, C.C. is on the record a lot of times saying, you know what, I pray for her. She, she's, not like, she's more than a friend. She's a sister. So they were very close. But as far as we know, so, so far, they've had very different endings. And it's very sad because there is nobody that had a voice like Whitney Houston. Amen. Amen. I, 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 I was listening to a guy doing a cover, and he did a good cover, but don't, don't try to do a Whitney Houston. Every time you try to sing a Whitney Houston song, it's going to go bad. It's going to be bad for you. You know, exactly. You don't, don't mess with a classic. 
But every year after year, we see celebrities uh, with all the money, with all the fame go, and sometimes in an untimely manner. The one that got me the most was probably Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I, was, I was really touched. Like, uh, y'all remember, for those of you who were here, we were filming at that time during the pandemic. I had to take you guys time out. We need a break. Because you don't expect that, right? You don't, you don't, you don't expect that. But each and every one of those celebrities, each and every one of us, eventually we stand before the throne of God. We stand before that judgment. And, and the question that we say, and, and, and my wife always says that, well, I hope they know Jesus. Because at that point, that's the only thing that matters is if you know Jesus Christ. It's if you know Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. All, so, so don't get me wrong. It's not wrong that you want to you wanna excel. You want to be out there and you want to use your gifts. But understand that if you use your gift in this world, you have to use your gift for Christ. You have to use your gift in a way that lives this world a better place. So that when you get in heaven, you're good. Because I use the gift you gave me to give you glory. I use all the money that I had to help the children that were, that, that, that were orphans. I use it for the widows and the orphans, like the Bible tells us, right? But the, the, the stomach worshipers, number one, the, the end is the destruction. Number two, it says their God is their stomach. And, and, and what you can take from that is their God is their stomach, is that they're focused on themselves and they're focused on the here and now. They're self-centered and they're focused on, 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 on their need to, to themselves alone. And you know those people. If you need something, you need a hand, right? Like, for instance, let's say your car breaks down on the side of the road. You already know who you can call, and you already know who you can't call, right? I'm going to call, you know, I, yeah, maybe I call brother so-and-so, he's going to come. But her, no, nah, no, nah, she ain't coming for me. Him, no, he ain't coming, right? So stomach worshipers is always about me. It's always about what I can get. It's always self-centered. Right, so you have their destiny's destruction. God is their their God is their stomach, so they're always self-centered. But then he says, and their glory is their shame. So you can have glory according to this world, right? You can rise to the height of this world, but if it's not done God's way, it is shame. It is shame. It, it was very, you know, like I said, I like my shows, I like my movies, like everybody else. But I was sad when the whole Weinstein thing broke with the Me Too and everything, right? Because that's when I realized that a lot of the people that made it to where they made it, they had to compromise values to please these evil people. They had to compromise values to please those evil people. You know, Angela Bassett is known to have said she was offered a role, but the, that role would have um, um, would have had her compromise her, um, this is church show, uh, her physical integrity. Hmm? Uh, right, she's a Christian. So that would have had her violate her Christian boundaries. So she turned out that role. The actress who took on the role went on to win an Oscar for that role. You can keep your Oscars. I'm going to keep my dignity. You can keep your trophies. I'm going to keep my Christ. And, and so she said, yes, maybe my, my career, and she's a great actress. I mean, she's a great actress. But maybe my career did not reach where I wanted it to reach. But she never lost her dignity. She never lost her dignity in that sense. So their glory is a shame. Now you can reach the highest level of society, but you don't have to compromise your values. You don't have to compromise your Christianity. You only have to trust God. You have to be faithful, persevere, and trust God, and he can get you there. But it's very sad to see when, when you build a house, but you find out that it's a house of cards. And then one win, it falls. Just one win and it falls. And that's what we see with, with a lot of, of, of public figures. 
A lot of public figures in the church, outside the church, is the house is built on the house of cards. So when the wind comes, it falls. And he concludes by saying their mindset is on earthly things. It's not, I don't believe it's strong to succeed. But if you succeed only thinking about the earthly aspect and not thinking about the heavenly aspect, your success is really failure. Because imagine you're playing a, a, a basketball game, right? And, and you're making shots, and you're making shots, and you're making shots, and, and you, you got like 33 pointers, only to find out at the end of the game that you were shooting in the wrong basket. And you gave all the points to the other, to the other team. Because I like, uh, I know some people here are Haitian, so you guys watch the World Cup. There was that year when um, they were playing in Colombia and the play, the, the, the defenseman from Colombia, by accident, the ball tipped off his foot and went into the goal. Pardon me? Escobal? That was his name? Okay, so his name was Escobal, right? And guess what? If his name was Escobal, when he got back home, he met with Escobar, Pablo Escobar. And, and sadly, actually, they took his life because he made the team lose. Because in soccer, one goal is like 30 in basketball, right? So one goal is over. So he lost his life because by accident, he scored on the wrong goal. But, it, that's, that, but that's us. If, if we're only minded with earthly things, then we're scoring in the wrong basket. Because the Bible says this world, everything it, it eventually is going to go. So you have to be minded with heavenly things. So then he goes in verse 20 and verse 21, he tells us about the other side of that coin, which is the disciple of Christ, right? He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, we will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And so on one side, you have the stomach worshipers, which destruction is their end. On the other side, you have the disciple of Christ, which he says, the, the, um, and that's the next slide. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven. So, right, so our end is not the destruction. Our end is heaven. And I encourage everybody to take some time and go read the book of Revelation. And what you see in the book of Revelation is, yes, everything is going to go bad, right? You're going to have the beast, the mark of the beast, and all of that stuff. But in the end, spoiler alert, we win. And in the end, when he tells you, when he describes heaven, if you take a moment and, and, and just extend your, your, your devotion from five minutes to 20 minutes, right? Just give it a a little bit more time and start pondering of the description that he's giving of heaven and understand what it would mean if this was on earth, right? And I, and I think I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, just the size of the city, if you do the measurement, is the size of the United States. A city the size of a country. Streets of gold that are so pure that he, he compares it to glass. And, and, and the list goes on and on and on. It, there is nothing on earth that can compare to heaven. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And so he says, disciples of Christ, that's where our citizenship belongs. You know, even in this world, when you have a citizenship, it cannot be, well, you can denounce it, but like right now, I have dual citizenship. Restriction, no restriction. If I show up, they have to let me in because I, I'm a citizen. They might not let me out, but they'll let me in, right? Because I'm a citizen. If you're a citizen of a country, so right now, like with what's happening with Ukraine, right? They're going to be like, okay, if you're an American citizen, 
this is what you need to do, right? Because you belong to the country. You can go, let's say if you go to the embassy, right? Like I remember I had a friend of mine, he went to Chad, Africa, right? And he's doing his thing and he's, he's in Chad. And on 4th of July, there was protest in front of the American embassy. And him and, so he's with the choir director on a motorcycle and the choir director was a big guy. And they're driving the motorcycle and they see the mob of people. And seeing the mob of people, they thought they were gangsters. So they ran through it, right? But it was a, a, a legal protest. So the police saw that they ran through the crowd. So the police went after them. Woo! And they took him. They, they arrested him. And over there, you know, they, I, I, police uh, or brutality, social justice hasn't made it. So they started beating up the choir director, started beating up the right in front of the American embassy. And um, they were about to beat up my friend. And my friend goes, hey, hey, I'm Canadian, I'm Canadian. And they stopped because he said he's Canadian. And the guy was going to take him away, I guess, to the police station. But right when he was going to take him away, the representative at the embassy said, hey, stop, let me talk to him. And because he was with a mission organization, he was taken out of trouble. So we asked him, bro, why did you just say I'm Haitian? <laughs> like, he said, I'm Canadian, right? He uses citizenship because he belonged to a country that was respected in that other country, right? Understand that you have a different citizenship. Yes, you might be Haitian. Yes, you might be American because you're born here or you took your papers or whatever. Yes, you might be Floridian. But this identity that is the most important is that you are a child of Christ. Is that you are saved by the grace of Christ, by his sacrifice at the cross, and you receive them. And that is your identity. And when comes the end and he rose from the dead, you will rise from the dead with him. Your citizenship is not of this world. So whatever happens here, yes, take care of business here, but understand that ultimately the business there is what is matters most. Business there is what is most important. You belong to Jesus Christ. So as disciples of Christ, one, our citizenship is in heaven. And so therefore, rather than to be focused on our own immediate needs, we eagerly await the Savior from there. So everything that we do is with the mindset that Jesus is going to come back. And it's a mindset that, you know what? One thing that I, oh man, is can you imagine that moment when you're reunited with Christ? Can you imagine that moment when, when you go in the gates of heaven and you see how beautiful it is? When you imagine that moment when all the aches and pains in your body, they're gone. All the medicine that you got to take is gone. All of that, you know, like um, with the pandemic, right? They would say two, two weeks to flatten the curve. But I'm like, dang, I need to flatten this curve, right? But that's over. That, that's over. When you go in heaven, that's over. Amen. <laughs> he says, he says, so verse 20, we eagerly await the Lord. And in verse 21, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. So understanding that what we're talking about, Jesus Christ is not only the, the, the little kid in the manger. He's the king of kings that sits on the throne and he has the power to bring everything under his control. He says, he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be glorious bodies and that's his glorification so people are worried about glory in here right they're worried about oh who's the goat but you know what's going to happen you know you see jordan was there right and lebron was there you guys want to know the goat take a basketball go play but that wouldn't be fair why because jordan's body is wearing down and guess what lebron's body is wearing down too so eventually some of y'all ballers here you'll be able to beat lebron because the body is wearing down 
But guess what? When time comes in Jesus Christ, we get a glorious body, and that's a real glorification. That's a real glorification. So I don't have to have the accolades of, 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 of this world. I need to have the embrace of my Father in heaven. That's what I need. If I have the embrace of my Father in heaven, then I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. He says, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. And then he says, verse chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friend. He says, stand firm in the Lord. One of the distortions that we get is that the gospel is easy, that Christian life is easy. I'm here to tell you the truth. It's a fight. It's a struggle. It's a fight. It's not for the faint of heart. Now understand that you're fighting from a place of victory. You're fighting with the winning team. I remember when we had the, um, the big three in Miami, right? And you're watching those series. And I would watch some of those games sometimes. And there was a stretch. They would never lose two in a row. Actually, there was a stretch that would have won 27 straight. But they would have stretched that would never lose two in a row. So if they lost the game, and I was watching one time and, and I'm seeing them, you know, when, when they're warming up. And I look at Chris Bosh and I look at LeBron and I look at Dwayne Wade. And I see, man... They're going to win. You know why I know they're going to win? Because they had confidence. They had a confidence. You remember that time? They had confidence. And then surely enough, they would go and then they would win. You can have confidence because it's already won. You can have confidence because Jesus Christ already won. And so I know that some of you here want to be big baller, shot caller, right? You have great dreams. You have great ambitions. And, and that's fine. That's, that's fine. But I want you to understand something. In the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, before God un opens up the veil of time and shows us the things that are to happen in the future and shows us the glory to come and, and, uh, and the power and the defeating of the enemy and all of that stuff, right? He talks to seven churches. He talks to the seven churches that are in Asia Minor. Um, and you've heard sermons about those churches. The last one of these churches, which is the church of Laodicea, and to the last, last section, and in that, the next of church, by the way, where he says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and I will sit and I will eat with them. And they will be, basically, I will be in relationship with them. And then he goes in verse 21 and 22. He says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And all throughout those seven churches, that refrain comes to the one who is victorious. It is a fight, but if you stand firm, you will be victorious. But you have to stand firm. And now you want to be shot caller. You want to be baller, right? You want to, you know, have a nice ride, have a nice... But look, there is no bigger shot caller than Jesus Christ because he's the one that sits on the throne. Whatever ball you have on earth, basketball, football, it's going to fizzle. Whatever shots you call at some point, somebody later on can undo those shots. But Jesus Christ, when he says something, nobody can undo that. So make sure that you are victorious so that in the end of time, you're sitting on the throne where the shots are called, which is the throne of Christ. So as I close, I want to encourage everybody Let's join together as the body of Christ 
Let go of all those petty divisions. Make right to who you have to make right and keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on Christ and stand firm because it's a fight, but it's a fight that we're going to win because it's already won in Jesus. God bless you.